From maintaining a healthy weight to helping our mood and improving our energy levels, hormones play a huge role in our overall health. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. My guest today is Dr. Stephanie Zagragan. She's a chiropractor with a master's in science and she has a practice in functional medicine. Thanks so much for joining us. You actually have a degree in human nutrition, so you know a lot about this. Just give us a quick overview of your background. Sure, and thanks for having me on your show today, Robin. Sure. It is a pleasure. Um, but I went to school first to do a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology. Uh, from there, I went and did my doctorate in chiropractic. And I'm one of those dorky kids, so I wanted to do even more. So I did a master's degree in human nutrition. And I have a bunch of other nutrition, functional medicine certifications. I'm an applied clinical nutritionist, a certified nutritional specialist, and a certified clinical nutritionist. I tell wow. my patients <laughs> I'm trying to get more letters after my name than in my name, and I have a really long name. I'm only two letters away. <laughs> I love that. Well, you have a lot of letters, well-educated, so you really know your stuff about this. And one thing I always think about is when we're trying to lose weight or improve our energy, we do all kinds of things. We exercise more and hopefully improve our diet, but sometimes we don't really think about our hormones and how they play such a critical role in basically every function of our body. Just briefly give us an overview of what hormones actually do. Yeah, absolutely. Hormones are everywhere in our body and they are made by what's called endocrine glands, which are tiny, different glands in the body that secrete hormones directly into the bloodstream. And all of those hormones confer different type of functionality based on what hormone it is, what gland it's coming from, and they all work synergistically together to make your body function well. So if, if one's out just a little bit, that can create some, some havoc. And just to give you an idea of, of how little these are, um, hormones are measured in nanograms and picograms, which are either parts per billion or parts per trillion. So they're teeny, teeny, tiny, but they really do pack a big punch. <clears throat> So when we think about, let's say, weight loss, which many women over yep. 50 struggle with, uh, including myself <laughs> at times, you know, it goes up and down. Uh, how do hormones play a role in losing weight? And what are some of the myths that people have about losing weight after that age? Yeah, I think some of the biggest things we deal with as women aging, you know, going into perimenopause and even into menopause, so starting in your 40s and moving into mid 50s, even 60s, is that we're, we're told this myth that we don't make our hormones anymore. And that's, that's not true. We do make our hormones. They're just not made cyclically. So that means, you know, we're not having that, that cycle anymore, potentially. And <clears throat> they're made by if the ovarian production of those glands start to decrease. And the only other place really to make them functionally is our adrenal glands. And for those of you out there that may not know what the heck an adrenal gland is, they're teeny tiny. They're the size of walnuts. They sit on top of your kidneys and they produce a lot of hormones for you. Um, cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine. So, you know, when, when mom can lift a car off of, of a child, those are the glands that are working for us. Now, I think in, in today's environment, we're, as women, we're so stressed out juggling so many things that we've put this system that is supposed to be only meant to run away from bears and lift cars off children, we put it <laughs> under pressure 24 seven. And because of that, we're seeing some chronic issues with these glands, because the biggest thing is if your body can't make the appropriate amounts of hormones post-menopause in the adrenal glands, truly the only other place to really make them effectively is your fat cells. So this is why we'll see a lot of women that they'll say out of the blue, I haven't changed my diet, I haven't changed my exercise, and I gained 30 pounds in a year. You know, what, what the heck's going on? So we look at those systems to see how well they're functioning, 
to address any imbalances there might be with those systems. And how do you actually look at the systems? Is it a blood test? What do you do to figure out what is needed? Yeah, there's different types of kinds of testing. Um, there's blood, saliva, urine. Um, in my practice, I prefer to do saliva testing for the adrenal glands because I want to hit the main hormone that we're really looking at is cortisol. We've probably kind of heard that buzzword, yes. that, that hormone coming around, you know, if you're producing too much or too little cortisol, it's really tough to lose weight. You know, think about it this way. If your body's under stress, it does not care how much you weigh. Um, you know, it's really making sure your heart's beating, you're digesting your food, you're breathing properly, you know, the most important things. And the way that we want to test cortisol is cortisol is a hormone that should be highest in the morning. So it's the hormone that pops up to pop you out of bed and give you energy. And then it should slowly come down over the course of the day and then at night be at its lowest. So that's when you can go to sleep easily. So by doing saliva testing, you can give little spit samples throughout the day. So we can actually see one is your total cortisol output for the entire day, too high or too low. And then is each testing that we do throughout the day, is it appropriate? You know, I've seen patients where when it's supposed to be high in the morning, it's low. And when it's supposed to be low at night, it's high. You know, those are kind of my tired and wired patients where they're super tired at night, but they can't go to sleep. Oh, so once I know a actually... lot of people like that. That's a, it's true. <laughs> exactly. A lot of women struggle with going to sleep Absolutely. or staying asleep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and our hormones so, play a role in our sleep as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So once we see that, that chart, we can really put together specific, a specific game plan into place to either raise or lower the cortisol or just help the body produce those hormones in the appropriate amounts. That is so interesting and there's so much to it. You know, you really need an expert such as yourself to explain this to us. And I guess the question that pops into my mind is what exactly is affecting our hormones or specifically our cortisol levels? Why would it be so out of balance? Yeah, we look at stress and, you know, most of my patients want to say, oh, are you under stress? They think of, oh, I had a fight with my spouse or I'm mad at my kids or work's been hard. But we have stressors in many different ways. We can have physical stressors. So if you're working out too much, you know, or, or putting too much pressure on your body or not feeding your body well enough, you know, that's a physical stressor potentially. We have biochemical stressors. Um, if you're eating junk, let's say, you know, putting in artificial sweeteners, um, different chemicals, your, your body has to deal with that biochemically. We have, of course, emotional stress, that fight with the spouse, the, the work that's hard. And now we're even seeing more of energetic stress, you know, where we're pumping out 5G now, we've got all these other energies and different um, radiations coming at us all the time. So everything that we do put in our body or our environment can potentially be a stressor that our body then has to deal with to maintain our balance. So the next question from there is, what do we do about all that? So you, you give someone this saliva test and you've determined that they're out of balance, especially with their cortisol. How do you treat it? What do you do? Yeah, typically in my practice, I'm using a combination of food and herbs to balance the body. So we look at one, you know, what's out of balance. So if cortisol is out of balance, I'll talk about different foods we can eat, um, what we want to eat more of, what we need to eat less of, what affects the adrenal glands. So we know that alcohol, sugar, a low protein diet, all of those definitely have de detrimental effects on the adrenal glands. We look at activity levels. You know, usually when my patients come in, if they're really fatigued and their hormones are really not producing, I don't want them training for a marathon. You know, they don't have the reserves to make hormones. They definitely yeah. don't have the reserves to be really, really stressfully working out. Um, we get to that point. And one of my patients, I'll just share a quick story. She would go and just do like a, a Pilates kind of class. And she would tell me afterwards, I'd be wiped out literally for like a day or two where I couldn't really do anything or had really low energy. 
So if you're experiencing that, that's one of the body's ways to, sh to show you that something's out of balance. So within working with her for about three to four months, she's, you know, now back at the gym, she's working better. She's like, I have more energy now than I, than I have in the last 20 years, you know? So it's, it's things like that, that we can do to help patients get back on, get back on track. And what were some of the changes that she made? Just curious. Was it mostly her diet? Was it the herbs? Yep. Was it the combination? We did a little bit of everything. You know, I, when I said, if, if you're not feeling the exercise or if it's wiping you out that much, stop it for now, you know, just do really low impact, you know, walking the dog, maybe some light yoga, just until we kind of get over that initial hump. Um, I used uh, whole food supplements with her. We did some herbal support for her. Um, she stopped caffeine, which was huge because a lot of patients, unfortunately, are using caffeine as a crutch to get through the day to help them just kind of push through. But, you know, that can be counterintuitive at times. She totally stopped caffeine? Yeah, that's, we, we, that's we did it gradually. We did it, <laughs> we, we did it gradually <laughs> because, because I get it. You know, I'm not here to take my patients. If, if we've got a crutch and it's working, my job isn't to necessarily take the crutch away. It's add stuff back to where you feel like you don't need it. And, right. and I'm okay with coffee. What I'm not okay with is if you have to have coffee to get your day going, or you yes. have to have multiple cups through the day because you hit that four o'clock slump. So that's where, you know, you can start analyzing, you know, how often do I, do I feel like I need this? Is this more of a social thing that I enjoy or do I really need this? <laughs> like, right. I cannot make it to five o'clock yes. <laughs> at work if I don't have that three o'clock cup of coffee. And then Absolutely. that affects your sleep, of course, later. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a, it's a cycle with, things. And so how do you work with your patients? You work with them in person, online? What do you actually do? Yeah, my practice here is located in Charleston, South Carolina. So if people are, are close or local, they're welcome to come in office. But at this point, I'd say I have a number of patients that are located all over the country. So we do virtual appointments, uh, Zoom calls, whatever we need to do to make it easy for patients. I realize that my patients are already stressed. So I try to do everything I possibly can to eliminate stress in their lives to, to be able to work with them. Oh, we all certainly could use that. And what got you into doing this type of uh, work? I know you had some issues when you were younger. Yeah, I think part of what really brought me to doing just more functional medicine than the chiropractic side of things these days is my own experience. When, when I was in college, um, my menstrual cycle was a nightmare. Um, <laughs> it was not pretty at all. Pretty much I was waking up um, in the middle of the night with, with night sweats at 24 years old. Um, I had migraines that were so bad during my cycle that I was nauseous and vomiting. And of course I go to the, the doctor, the, um, my gynecologist, he did the exam. He did the typical blood work. He said, everything was normal. I said, there's no way in hell this is normal. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do? And thank goodness I was in chiropractic school at the time because I knew enough anatomy and physiology to, to know, to explore more. And that's when I really started learning that there's something called functional medicine where, you know, usually we look at labs and see, are you broken or not? It's black and white, but there's right. so many times we end up in this gray area of, I don't feel well, my symptoms just aren't driving. And, you know, the doctors say, nothing's wrong with you. Everything's fine. Here's birth control. Here's, you know, have surgery or here's an antidepressant, which is kind of crazy, but that's kind of what we're given as women yes, as our, yes. our free options. Mm -hmm. And none of those really sat well with me. So in doing more research, I learned, you know, a better way to test. So I did different testing on myself. And in doing so, I found out that my estrogen was high. My progesterone was low. My cortisol was off the chart, um, probably hence the, the night sweats. Um, yes. <laughs> and I wanted to learn, well, how do I fix now that I have answers, you know, how do I fix this naturally? And that was kind of going into the whole nutrition and herbal side of things and learning that. So it took me probably a full year from start to finish to really fix everything. Um, I started feeling better within, you know, the first month, but 
Um, it was a process of just really balancing everything out. And I think from there, I, I understand what my patients are going through. And I'm a doctor that listens. I have real answers and real solutions for people. And I think women appreciate that these days. Absolutely. That is true because it is it's sometimes difficult to get your point across, especially that, oh, blood, blood is fine. You're good. And then, you know, where do you go from there? So are we getting the right blood test? Should we be asking for something else when we're getting our testing done? Yeah. If, if you're still having a menstrual cycle, sometimes it's difficult to get the correct blood test only because your hormones are going up and down all month long. So unfortunately, a lot of times the reference ranges are so big that anytime during the month, you're going to fall within those ranges, um, unfortunately. So that's when, when I have a woman that we're doing that still has a period, I'd still like to do the saliva testing because you're giving 11 different samples throughout the whole month. So I get to see you know, at the beginning of your cycle, when you ovulate, if you ovulated, and then yeah. at the end, right before your cycle starts, what everything is doing. So for, for one woman, it might be, hey, you once you ovulated, your progesterone didn't go up high enough. So what can we do to support your progesterone levels during the second half of the cycle? So it can be that specific if you get proper testing. That is really, really interesting. Yes. Uh, should we, what about our blood tests? Is our blood test good or should we be getting additional tests, especially as we get older? Yeah, I think additional testing is important. A lot of doctors aren't testing cortisol. They're not testing DHEA, um, those types of hormones, because those are the ones that are really going to, as we get older, we're going to really need to look at a little bit closer as far as our ability to produce the hormones go. So I, I definitely do like to test those. But as I mentioned, cortisol can be a little tough because once again, the window is so big and cortisol, yes. you know, depends on what time of day you do it. Um, so I still think that if you can, saliva testing is probably the best for, for cortisol numbers. Okay. And you have a specific way you do it at certain times of the day. I mean, it's very Absolutely, specific yeah. in the way that yeah. you view it. So what just, would you say? just the more specificity yeah. that I have, the more specific I can be back to patients sure. in creating custom protocols. What would you say is a typical timeline working with a patient for, you know, by the time they come to you, they have an issue, you go through the testing, you mm -hmm. talk with them, maybe it's once a week or however you do it. And when do you start to see real results? If we've done some pretty good diagnostic testing and I have that on patients, I'm expecting to see results within the first month. Okay, so that's good. We might not be fixing everything, but yes. but on the markers that we're looking at, whether it's your fatigue, whether it's better sleep, whether it's starting to make some changes with your with your menstrual cycle, if you still have one, I'm expecting some change within that first month. Um, and once I start working with the patient, I usually see them about once a month because we I can't give everything to everybody at one time. So it's almost like little layers. So each yes. visit we're kind of adding on to what we want to do or, or information I'm sharing with them. So it's not information overload. And I try to make everything kind of bite-sized, like I call it baby steps. So each visit you might have two baby steps to do and work on that for about a month because we really need time for your body to assimilate what we're doing and for you to be able to really see and feel the changes as well. Yes. Plus uh, emotionally, mentally, I always say this, if people try to overhaul their entire diet and just yeah. totally change it all at once. And it's just too much. It'll last a week yeah. or two and then they just, you know, forget yeah, it. Absolutely. So if you just do one little thing or two little things, you know, each week and make changes much easier. Yeah. So if you had to just give just a general, like, okay, here's what you should probably do to keep your hormones in somewhat balanced. I know we're all different, but what would Absolutely. you say to people are some of the most important steps we could take? I think in generalities, I think it's eating as clean of a diet as possible. So trying to eliminate as much processed foods and probably the big ones from there are your artificial sweeteners, um, all of your trans fats, 
coffee sometimes if you're doing too much, alcohol if you're doing too much, because those can have detrimental effects on those systems. Um, for some people, gluten, if they're gluten sensitive, they need to remove gluten. So if you feel like when you eat wheat or bread and you don't feel well, that's probably something to, to listen to, to your body. Um, as far as activity goes, the way that I guess we can custom tailor that is if you can do activity and feel good afterwards, you know, obviously there's that good soreness that we all have, but if yes. you feel li literally wiped out, then we're pushing ourselves too hard. So really listen to your body with workouts. You know, don't think of this construct of, oh, I have to get in three, you know, three days a week, an hour each time. No, listen to your body. And I think the biggest thing is women that we don't do is take time for our own self-care. And that might be different for every single person. I love body work. So for me, I love a good massage. Me? I was just going to say, that's my thing. I love a massage. I love a massage. I love a good facial. So, you know, some ladies, it might be going to get your nails done. Others, if you have lots of children, it might be sitting in the closet quietly for a few minutes without kids. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is for you're each not of you. There. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's not here right now. Yeah, you know, whatever yeah. it is, um, just trying to do something each day that is just for you. Yes, I love that, you know, and right, everybody has a different thing. Some people like to read, some listen to music, some take a walk, whatever it is, find yeah. that, carve out that time, because mm -hmm. that is so important for our health. You know, I did want to ask you about one thing, as we're, as you're mentioning the diet, I'm thinking about hormones in some of our food and how that could yes. play a role. Should we be trying to eat a little bit more organically, maybe try to get uh, meat or fish or chicken that's more organically yes. grown? Yeah. Absolutely. As, as organically as you can possibly find or afford, I absolutely recommend that. Just because of all the hormones in our meats, all the pesticides are hormonally driven. I mean, even the, the cleaning supplies that we use our house have hormones in them. So really just trying to clean up your, your lifestyle is, is imperative. Um, and I realized this too, because I, I didn't understand back when I was in undergraduate school, how much that affected my body until I started changing it. And once I have women start doing this, they will see a literal change almost in their cycle just within a month's time sometimes, just trying to go all organically. And there's a great resource if, if they want this one. It's the Environmental Working Group. It's ewg.org. Every single year, they test the pesticides on all different fruits and vegetables in our country. So they give them ratings. So they've got the Dirty Dozen, which are the dirtiest pesticide-laden foods in the country. And they got the Clean 15. So if budget's a concern, I always recommend, you know, if it's on the dirty dozen, either you buy it organically or you don't buy it at all. Um, and then if it's on the clean 15, those are ones that we could buy conventionally because I got you. Pesticide well, that is a great one. What was that website one more time? EWG.org. It's the Environmental Working Group. It's a nonprofit organization. That is a great tip. Thanks so yep. much. And that's that's yeah. really some kind of simple to change right there. Yes, you know, it's pretty absolutely. easy. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time today. And if, if someone's listening and says, you know what, I really need this, where can she or he reach you? Yes. And my website's probably the easiest place. It's drzagragon.com. And I'll spell it because it's a crazy name. It is D-R-Z-G-R-A-G-G-E-N.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. I'm out the there. Dragon. I always joke, we have to buy a vowel because <laughs> you need <more> <laughs> in your name. <laughs> it's a, not an easy name to spell, but uh, I will put it in the show notes for people. Perfect. So they'll be Thank able to, to link to you and hopefully get some help, improve their energy, lose some weight if that's their goal. Whatever it is, our hormones play such a big role in it. So thank you so much again You're for joining welcome. us today. Thanks and for thank me, you for being with me, for living well with Robin Stoloff, empowering you to live a healthier life. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be updated on our most recent episode. Thanks for being here. And remember, stay safe and keep living well. See you next time.